Hi, I'm Paul Stringflow and welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's show we have our head in the clouds as we take a look at how VMware plays a part in this cloudy world. So sell back and enjoy the show. Hi and welcome to another episode of Tech Interviews. Uh, on this week's show, uh, this is something that's been inspired by uh, a YouTube video I watched. No, not one of those YouTube videos, um, a technology YouTube video, uh, talking about moving to private cloud and uh, and VMware being a part of that. And I think that's quite an interesting concept. Uh, lots of enterprises we deal with, and I'm sure lots of the ones uh, that, that you guys are working um, use VMware extensively. And so being able to leverage tools like that to, to help uh, adopt uh, cloud, I think, has, has got some real capabilities to it and, and something that's worth exploring. So um, so I thought, what better to do than try and contact the person behind the video that I watched um, and ask him to come on the show and, and talk a little bit about it. So that's exactly what we've done. Uh, and that's this week's guest. It's uh, Kelly Goldsby. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Paul. How are you? Yeah, I'm real good. Thank you. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining Tech Interviews this week. Um, so well, before we jump into our topic, why don't you uh, uh, let people know who you are and what it is you do? Yeah, sure. So uh, current role with Liquid Web is my company. I am um, I do a lot of hats, but pre-sales solution architecture. So the technical uh, side of sales. So, you know, ferreting out customer requirements, uh, making those match business and technical needs, and then moving people, uh, moving from, you know, in-house hosting, uh, uh, co-locations, all sorts of solutions, uh, preferably to, to Liquid Web's uh, public and private cloud, uh, also work uh, with a dotted line to product rights to drive product uh, innovation and development uh, through our engineering teams based on what customers are asking for. Crazy way to do it, but that's what I do. I've been in the, the managed hosting and cloud space for close to 17 years now, uh, seen it through all sorts of iterations. So there you go. Yeah, and it's um, I, I kind of like the idea, that crazy idea of uh, pr- making sure that the solutions give uh, give customers what they want. I mean, who'd, who'd ever thought that would catch on as an idea? <laughs> sure. um, and it's interesting that you're talking actually in your your introduction there about kind of your background and kind of in that managed hosting space. Because I think for a lot of us, we we look at cloud as something kind of new and uh, you know new and sexy. Maybe not that new now, but kind of new and sexy. And, and the idea that cloud is something that's very different. But, but I think it's an interesting parallel with something that people have been doing for a long time and that's this idea of managed you know managed services providing services from some other location i mean i'm sure we've all heard the gag about uh, cloud is just running your stuff on somebody else's computer mm-hmm. uh, right. but i mean is that maybe that's a good place to start i mean is that accurate when we talk about this idea of cloud be it public or private you know are we are we just talking about hosting or are we talking about something a little bit different yeah so not to you know i certainly don't want to to minimize what the cloud is because at one level it is all the great, you know, package your applications up and run them. Right. And, and it is a breadth of products and, and services at a higher level right closer to the application that aren't there in a traditional, Hey, let's just put your service in and manage them. Um, But at the end of the day, that is what it is because, you know, we see with the types of customers I work with that, they're not using, even if they're on a, a major public cloud today or in the data center, uh, they're using a certain set of technologies. There are some that are using, you know, the entire AWS portfolio of 100 applications, but they're the exception, I would say. And so, you know, it is all that wonderful sort of uh, ease of use of technology. Uh, and there is a, you know, official NIST definition of the cloud, right, that is consumable uh, via an API and, and uh, it is uh, capacity on demand and it's built for usage. So all those things are great. Um, and not all customers leverage them, right? So, you know, there's a lot of different iterations from, you know, you, you, you and your listeners know from, from you know, SaaS to PaaS to, 
to infrastructure as a service, which is much closer to what managed hosts have done and managed hosts are evolving. So long answer, but yeah, it is, it is someone else's data center sometimes with many more bells and whistles. Yeah, I think it's um, interesting that you talk there about, um, and you're absolutely right, you know, people try and define what cloud is, but um, I, I was going back to kind of thinking there as you, as you was talking in your introduction about that piece of work that you do with making sure that the services that you guys provide match your customer expectations, match customer requirement. And, and I think sometimes we get lost in that, don't we? That, that actually, ultimately, technology is about that. It's about, you know, organizations, customers have business demands, they have things that they're trying to achieve, and it's about mapping the right kind of technology, and whether that's cloud public or private whether that's on-prem whether that's a box of bananas it you know doesn't really matter as long as it's it's delivering the thing that that people want and so so, so i think that's quite a, quite interesting and and something that struck me in the, the video and i'll make sure a link goes into that video in the show notes um so to, if people do want to watch that they, they'll be able to one of the things that struck me in that was that a lot of what you talked about actually was not really a technology conversation um there either it was very much around understanding why you might want to move to public cloud uh, or, or to cloud public or private why you may want to take some of those and and lots of those things actually aren't about technology and not necessarily about saving money it's 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 lots of the things that you were you were just discussing there um so so i mean from from your experience why why are organizations starting to make that move to cloud you know what what are some of those benefits that they see yeah and so i would say and i think you know you and i talked about this in a in a prep discussion that uh, you know, the first sort of early cloud adopters were the the born in the cloud set, right? This application is developed on or for a cloud. Um, and then shortly thereafter, and, and increasingly more big enterprises, right, are moving often for for overall savings, right? They have TCO analysts. Um, but where, where we are really seeing adoption now is uh, people used to call them technology laggards, and I wouldn't say that. Um, it's a negative term like technical debt. Uh, but more and more mid-level enterprises, right, are seeing, and, and again, not a new discussion like we said earlier, um, the the value of running your own on-premise data center is diminishing. Now, it's cyclic, so when I did my my notes for this, you know, we didn't see as much need for, for proximate data centers all the time for everything. I think 5G and edge computing, all the buzzwords in the industry are changing that, so it's another cycle that will change, and vendors are obviously adopting to that, but, but more and more that the technology expertise that people want to hire, uh, they're hiring in a different place, right? And this is nothing new, but, you know, a developer, um, uh, mobile application developer, e-commerce developer, whatever it is, uh, brings immediate value and, and revenue and the market doesn't wait, right? It used to be, you and I both know years ago, to be like, hey, we're thinking about developing this mobile application next year. And, and anymore in some competitive industries, it's too late. Right, and so that speed of innovation is whether it's public or private cloud, uh, is much easier than than racking and stacking. Right, a developer wants to test something, um, nothing new. They want to fail quickly and they want to iterate. Uh, and having the flexibility of some type of cloud makes that a lot easier. And so that's why why one of the reasons people are moving. Right, so I hire people that want to do cool things for the business. I want to enable them. Uh, and I don't want them racking and stacking servers, troubleshooting servers, handling procurement, right? It's one of those things we don't think about, but you know, for, for high velocity enterprises that are buying X number of servers and storage and networks a year, just dealing with procurement is, is a, a hassle that you know, it's nothing new, but more and more businesses don't see a value in it. Yeah, and I think that absolutely, you know, is is reflexive of, of kind of what I see. I think the more and more that I work with cloud um, and how cloud's delivered, it, it 
it, actually it's not so much a place is it? it it's much more about a way of working you know it's this whole idea of as you've touched on there it's this idea of innovation it's speed of innovation it's potentially the cost of innovation you know you're absolutely right i think uh, an, an organization today and i and i often look about this i've, I've only been speaking about this in, in the last week with, with a few people about the, the the world of the smartphone has fundamentally changed how we see technology you know today we want an app on a smartphone we go to a store we click a button two minutes later it's up and running we don't care what the infrastructure behind that looks like or how complex or simple that has been we just want to be able to take that innovation or that thing that's going to give us a, a an outcome we just want to be able to do that quickly and i think that's that's driving a lot of how we expect to see technology consumed and you know, and how we expect inside of an enterprise to see that that technology that technology delivered as well. Uh, and as you say, I think it's 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 a lot more about. It's not so much about the technology or whether we should use AWS or Azure or whether we should use a, a, a private, you know, maybe a geo geo local cloud provider. It's not about those kind of things. It's about I, I want to be able to innovate. I want to be able to deliver things quickly. I, I need to be able to do things that are quite difficult for me to do in a traditional on-prem environment. Um, and, and and you know, is is that kind of accurate? Is is that is that the bigger drivers that you're seeing? It is one of the big ones. Another one I would say is right. So I used to in the, the early 2000s when I did this, right? We get people who said, I, I want to close my data center. They would send us an inventory of servers, rack, you know, um, uh, elevation diagrams that showed everything. So you go through and evaluate it and you'd say, well, they're probably going to move extranet and intranet and email. And then as the years progressed, it was more and more, but there was always so many things that even in my industry would say, yeah, this has to stay in the local data center, right? Uh, no one's going to outsource CRM. Well, Salesforce changed all that right now. Everyone outsources CRM. Uh, even three or four years ago, no one's going to outsource ERP. Well, that is moved to the cloud. So there are fewer and fewer things that have to stay in that data center. Um, and, and so, yeah, you've got you've got to pull from both directions. You've got to pull from the the for years it was the we'll use another buzzword shadow IT, right? But what what shadow IT is really just someone who didn't want to look at the old way of doing things, right? A marketing department needed to move on a campaign quickly. They couldn't wait for you know internal purchasing to go buy servers, so they deployed in the cloud. Uh, so you have that pull. Uh, now you have the pull of the larger, you know, IT, central IT managed applications moving. It leaves less and less in the middle, right? That that needs to be in a data center. So, yeah, I'd say that's a, a, another huge driver. Um, and, and you know, the, the resources to run a data center are changing, right? And more and more things are, whether it's applications, whether it's integrators, uh, they're moving their customers to the cloud as well. So the breadth of resources that you can get now is compared to, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago that understand the cloud that can work with remote, that don't have to go touch a server. Uh, that's where the expertise is moving. Like you and I, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, your, your expertise. I'm, I'm not sure about whether whether I class as expertise anymore. <laughs> um, I, you know, and, and, I, and I think, um, well, I mean, obviously, one of the things that we've talked about here, and we, we've kind of talked about cloud as this generic thing, but but even in the last few minutes, we've talked about this idea of private and public cloud. You know, is there sure. is there some fundamental differences in those? Why why are, you know what why are we having those discussions? You know, what, are there some differences? Yeah. What what are the kind of things you should be considering? Yeah, and well, so you know, a few things. I would say one of the first, and and again, we can argue this point. I could bring in security experts from the public clouds, but security uh, and control of data applications. Uh, there are a lot of customers who have various business compliance needs that still say private cloud, and and there are 
tons of compensating controls and security and compliance tools for every public cloud, uh, but it is a different target, a different moving target, right? To, to understand how to secure the cloud at all levels. And so often that an enterprise or organization wants to control the set of tools that their internal departments and developers can use, uh, where the data lives and how the data is handled. And that is, again, not impossible in public cloud, but it's easier uh, and sort of a known quantity in, in private cloud, right? You, you can control the scope of API, of services, of a UI that, that your internal users see. Uh, you can control even easier where that data lives. Um, and then proximate, right? Pro proximity. So if you still have, and again, let's, let's face it, not everyone has moved to public private cloud. Not everything is in someone else's data center. But if you want to use the same set of tools in your internal corporate data center and liquid web data center or wherever, uh, often easier to do in, in private cloud. Now, you look at things like Anthos from Google and Outpost from AWS, they obviously recognize this and the industry of public clouds is moving that way, um, but not everyone's gonna to, to deploy those technologies, right? And so public cloud is still growing and, and obviously VMware, uh, who we chose for our private cloud, sorry, private cloud is still growing. VMware, who we chose for our, our technology for our private cloud, uh, really reacting well to the industry and innovating and so, that was why our choice went toward VMware. Uh, it's still, you know, used in, in an enormous number of, of all sizes of enterprise. Yeah, and I think that's, um, it's interesting that you, you kind of finished that uh, uh, part off there and that explanation off talking about VMware as a, as a technology platform. And I think, I think a couple of things are really interesting in what you've said. You know, one, one of those things is that I think that kind of private public cloud debate underlines the point we made earlier that cloud's not really about where it is. You know, I think when we talk about cloud, we all assume AWS as your of GCP, mm -hmm. we we assume yep. those things, but actually, it's not about that. This is much more about choosing a way of working. You know, we are a way we consume our technology, and that that kind of that cloud model really is is exactly that. It's just a way of working, a way of consuming, a way of presenting infrastructure, applications, information out, out to an organization, reacting to to business demand. You know, is is that accurate? It is much more of a, a way of working than than kind of a location or technology stack in itself. I, yeah, I would absolutely say so. Um, and and again, you, I think, you know, there we see more and more people that want to work across different platforms in the same way, right? So again, I don't care where it is. It could be, you know, a an edge data center in Alaska. It could be on AWS Public Cloud in my data center at Liquid Web. Uh, but I don't want to train on, you know, five different processes and and you know do five different audit methodologies for each of those those form factors. And so having that single way of working, uh, single way of training people, um, it, it, there's an operational efficiency to it, so yes. Yeah, and I, and I think the um, the other thing that kind of the, the VMware part of the, the discussion interests me with is that I think it's one of those things about the reality of, of where we are now. You know, I think that you, you touched on this right at the beginning, that idea of, um, you know, those born in the cloud companies who've done everything inside of, you know, public cloud. So they've just built their whole infrastructure inside of AWS and, and never really experienced anything else. But, but the majority, I think, of enterprises either who are listening to this show or enterprises that people work with or work in, aren't really in that position they've had a level of traditional IT and they're looking at how do I take advantage of these cloud-like capabilities and you know and, and people like VMware who have this uh, you know kind of huge uh, market share on-prem you know they have this you know they're, they're kind of almost omnipotent infrastructure uh, and, and solutions that you'll find in pretty much any data say you ever want to go to 
one of the big questions I think for a lot of enterprises is how do I take this infrastructure that I know and love and I've watered and looked after for, for the last 10 years hmm. or 20 years, how do I start to utilize in a tactical way? You know, I, I, I talk about this idea of tactical cloud usage quite a lot, you know, right. looking at the things that a cloud capability can do that an on-prem capability finds hard and things like scale and the way you consume and pay for technology. You know, those things are quite difficult on-prem, but they're a lot more straightforward if you move to some kind of cloud way of working um, and you know you're talking as well about those kind of big public cloud providers coming the other way whether that's what AWS are doing or Microsoft are doing with Azure stack you know it's that kind of let's put some of our technology in your data center and of course the only reason for yep. doing that is to try and make that move to their public cloud more more straightforward but would you see sure. that as did you see that as an intro as a driver you know that the idea of actually going the other way so kind of your VMware yep. infrastructure out is that is getting that oh, bit right important Absolutely. So, you know, I tell the, the engineers who work for me, solution architects, right, that we want to meet customers where they are, uh, which is, is physically, it's, tech, it's technologically, right? So, I think, you know, even especially when, when, you know, every single CIO went to a conference and came back and said, move everything to the cloud. And on our end, on the vendor end, and again, I, I sort of trivialize it, but we said, hey, you got to refactor your applications. Uh, and customers said, whoa, what? <laughs> right. And, and again, some of that happened. Uh, but there are some that just some applications that either aren't worth refactoring or too complicated to refactor. And so for for a host like us, uh, VMware was the perfect technology to to sort of meet in the middle. Right. I've got certain things that, you know, need to burst, need to scale, need to deploy via template that that, uh, you know, I need an API and I need to to work in this manner. I've also got some still pets versus cattle relatively old thing uh, that that just need traditional HA. Uh, I need to import my my VMDKs and and run as is. I just don't want to worry about the underlying infrastructure, right? So at least in the decision process, you know, a couple of years ago when we made the decision, uh, VMware was the right mix. Um, and again, we're we're like a lot of vendors, we're to a point technology agnostic. Uh, you know, we have Hyper-V running in our data centers. We have uh, KVM running, uh, all sorts of different technologies. Uh, for the customers that we're working with, VMware made a lot of sense uh, because they do, you know, meet in the middle, right? And and I think they've done well to adopt their their operational model, like you talked about how you work, uh, and you can deploy it on public cloud. You can deploy it. Uh, now as, you know, drop-in racks via the Dell relationship, right? And so VMware's done a great job um, as they had to, right, at meeting customers. And so we are we are part of that as enablers for that technology. Not the yeah. only technology. Again, we, we run other things and we'll run other things for customers. But for our type of, you know, private cloud mid-market adopters, it's been extremely popular. Yeah, I, mean, I always find it quite interesting that the um, amount of big tech companies that public cloud was going to destroy overnight um, and, and the smart ones, certainly, and, and, I, and I include VMware in that, I think the smart ones have been very good at seeing the opportunity that public cloud presents um, and looking at how they can, a, a great phrase you used before, kind of meeting customers at where they are right now and helping them to exploit those kind of cloud-like capabilities um, and, and, and easing that transition as well. I think there's a, there's a huge part. We talk about the idea of hybrid cloud and of hybrid multi-cloud and, you know, uh, all kinds of clouds, but, uh, but I think... Although that sounds a little bit like a marketing phrase, I, I think there's a lot of value in that. I think that idea of 
helping me utilize cloud where I need it so I can you know make, make that transition of workload and data into some cloud-like environment nice and straightforward I can utilize it as I need to and then I can move it back into my data center if I need to you know I think there's it's certainly something I see you know is, is, is that kind of your experience that actually hybrid cloud is the reality for, for quite a lot of organizations it is and I think we in the industry along with analysts you know especially three or four years ago thought that everyone would take an application and and move that application between the least expensive or the most performant public cloud i see less of that than this particular application works great here and there and so i don't know there's you see different numbers from different english analysts you believe that that the average you know small enterprise is running seven to nine pub, seven to nine clouds um, they're probably not running, you know, one application across seven to nine, but they are running different applications based on business need on different clouds in different areas. So absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's actually, I think that's a huge part as well, because I, I, I think while people will argue that you're not necessarily going to use multi-cloud, I think like you just said, the reality is you probably are, even if you don't realize it, you might be using AWS for some development, you might be using working with a, a private cloud provider, a, a geo-local kind of private cloud provider to do some kind of hosted DR maybe, you've perhaps got Office 365 straight away, you're in three different clouds there, um, but that's not necessarily as complicated as it sounds, you know, you're, you're kind of taking a software as a service PC, you're probably taking a managed service over here, you might have your developers doing something very specific over here and then doing the rest of it on-prem. So, you know, but, but I think anything that allows, um, allows it, an ease of that, I think, is, is you know, hugely valuable. Um, and so, you know, it, as, if, if people kind of, um, you know, listening to this and thinking, well, you know, that, that kind of idea of public cloud versus private cloud, you know, well, what, what, are, what are some of the things that you, you encourage a, a customer to think about maybe as they are, uh, you know, to try, trying to evaluate whether public, private or cloud at all kind of plays any part for them? Is there, is, is there certain areas that you look at and, and get them to evaluate? Yeah, I mean, it's it is the traditional. Um, uh, what do I have today, right? And again, it's you, you think everyone has that inventory, you know, at the the tip of their fingers. They don't. Uh, so we always suggest starting with an inventory and and looking at departmentally where parts of the company are, right? And and what are the easiest to move to to software as a service? Uh, what you know, start on the other end. What absolutely has to stay in house? I mean, it can be can be boring stuff, right? Like. VoIP, you know, people outsource VoIP, but sometimes it's not worth moving. So you keep that, you keep building controls, things like that. Security, obviously monitoring some of the, that stuff stays in house. Um, and then it's always, you know, I, I tell people that work for me, we're tangentially linked to sales. It's always about cost, right? Cost is absolutely always a factor. Uh, and so you run a TCO analysis and, and again, we talked about it earlier, public cloud doesn't always become cheaper for it. Um, for static workloads, but it might. Um, another thing that is my uh, solution architects help a customer evaluate, um, we're a big fan of the, the friendly no, right? I, I would love our sales teams to be able to sell everything, uh, but we're, we're never gonna be there. And so if something absolutely isn't a fit for us as a provider, we recommend, and you know, if you truly could go from one user to a million users overnight, then there are a few options that will handle that scale transparently other than the hyperscale clouds. So I tell customers to look at that as well. Um, you know, look at what the, the plan is for technology adoption uh, across departments. Um, you know, obviously compliance, uh, that's an interesting factor as well uh, with um, um, 
uh, all the, oh, the, the recent AOA, the California Privacy Act now. So new privacy, in fact, we're in that season now where you get a new privacy agreement from every website you visit uh, because everybody has had to move. Uh, it's a moving target for compliance. So you need a map to now, not just you know current, but future compliance. Uh, so something you should certainly look at. So that's a lot and probably not in a easy to, to capture uh, bullet list, but those are the things I look at, right? Cost, security, uh, current and future compliance, training, right? Tools and training. Um, it's sort of, you know, we have a lot of people who do this and that that we talk to as well and, and you know, in medium-sized business that someone is running servers and also does this and also does that. And so you really need to understand your appetite to train people um, and, and utilize, you know, what types of tools and training and things they know today, but also give them the ability to sample new technologies, right? But keeping, keeping up with all of the products and services, you know, I, whether it's VMware or storage products or networking, uh, it's evolving, I would say, faster in the last really two years, maybe even a year and a half. Um, all that technology stack than I've seen in my time in the industry. And it's hard for me to keep up with. And I only have to go, you know, one click deep as a pre-sales solution architect. Um, Hands-on keyboard guys, much, much deeper to operationally understand what they're doing. So, you know, the appetite for training, uh, not just from cost, but from availability of, of, you know, people that have to go for week-long and month-long training courses, right? Yeah, and I, I think I, mean, I, th I think you make a great point, actually, in there about, that idea of how because I think often it's, it's very easy to look at cloud and think it's really really simple because the whole point is that the way it's presented out to you as a as a consumer of the technology is that it's straightforward you know not everything's as straightforward looking as office 365 might be you know there's, right. there's more more thought goes into that if you're building uh, infrastructure as a service rather than just consuming a, a software application but ultimately that's that's made relatively straightforward for you but I think it's a really interesting point about how it's important to realize that cloud under the covers is still complex and that there is still an element of things that you need to consider and think about as you as you start to look at actually uh, talked earlier on actually i thought it's a really great point and, and kind of uh, kind of mis mentioning it again when you talked about it was that idea of if you're going to go to public cloud um the, the best way of potentially doing that and taking advantage of something like aws is that piece where you start to refactor a whole bunch of things to work in a public cloud kind of way but it was the idea that you know companies are turning around saying i'm not going to refactor all my applications mm -hmm. and and you think well duh yeah you're not going to are you <laughs> you know it's it, it's it's a very complex process and and so i think the idea of that kind of hybrid model that starts to say, you know, and I think it's maybe where people like you could self sit. It's that idea of removing some of that complexity, but still delivering all of the cloud-like capability. And I think that's a, it's an interesting differentiation. I think that the idea that cloud can still be quite complicated, but the idea, and maybe it's one of the things that drives that choice of public cloud versus kind of a more managed private cloud services actually somebody to kind of hold your hand through some of that complexity and, and make it more straightforward. So, so it was just a really interesting point that you, you, you kind of closed out on. Um, well, I mean, we've talked a couple of times about your company and uh, although we've not talked specifically about kind of what Liquid Web do. So you want to take a couple of minutes, tell us a little bit about what you guys do and, and how you're helping um, organizations make this kind of transition into to cloud-like capability? Sure. Uh, well, Liquid Web has been around, you know, 20 plus years longer than I've been in the industry. Uh, started very simple in, in you know, outsource 
really some co-location and and single server, multi-server, uh, public cloud, right? Not not the hyperscale public cloud, but a very uh, dependable and and easy to use, as you mentioned, public cloud. Um, saw a need for for private cloud again for mid-sized organizations. So we have uh, a very within the last couple of years successful uh, hosted VMware model uh, it is it is a you know we're not and we will eventually do the full SDDC uh, as we find customer need right so we we you mentioned you know again tons of VMware products uh, we decided to deploy a fairly straightforward uh, you know uh, vSphere ESXi deployment uh, backed by NetApp uh, and and you talk about, you know, as, as I, as a sales and product guy, chose a product, we looked at what our customers were asking for and, and lots of requests for VMware and help with that. Uh, a lot of those same customers had their, their VMware clusters backed by NetApp. Uh, so we saw some efficiency there in, in data replication and the way we manage data if we decide to between a customer location and ours. Um, also had some in-house expertise and so, you know that's that's what we are incredibly successful with today, um, and and lots of different models there we won't get into right. But fully managed, semi-managed uh, uh, for disaster recovery for applications for resellers. Uh, tangentially, we are um, um, an application player, so you know we we progressively think that customers are choosing hosting just based on the application. So really a SaaS model, but focused on uh, e-commerce and, and CMSs, uh, because that's a great space as well. People that, as we mentioned earlier, I care about this application and the features. Uh, as long as I know it's in a redundant, highly available data center, then I don't really care how it's backed. And so that's kind of the, the spaces that we are uh, successful in. And, and do you think um, one of one of the kind of values of, of what you guys do, and, and you know, an organisation similar to you as well, um, you know, it, it is one of the great values there. The ability that you guys have to hold the customer's hand as they start to make some of that transition, or look to take tactically take advantage of that kind of uh, cloud capability. You know, and whether that's organisations who host their own private clouds, or maybe organisations who are helping customers move to Azure and AWS. You know, it, it is is lots of the value that you guys bring is that kind of experience and skill set to you know ensure that somebody who's going to make that move transitions properly and, and gets the best value out of what they're doing because as I said before I think the idea is it, it seems an easy sell you go into an AWS marketplace you click a couple of buttons and now right. you've got infrastructure but but I, but I guess that the, the real value for, for folk like yourselves is to say yeah well let me show you how to use that properly so that your experience is absolutely the most effective way of doing it. Yeah, and it starts that yeah, I think our product has an opinionated design and it's not right for every customer, but for the ones we, we talk to, it is, and it reduces uh, the risk, you know, and again, when we evaluated our, our private cloud, we looked at all of the, the new sexy options, you know, uh, uh, software-defined storage, software-defined networking, incredible technologies, but for the types of customers I spoke to, those weren't needed and they added complexity. Uh, so we start with, you know, from the, pro the way the product is designed, uh, to the way we have managed services. So I mentioned that, you know, if a customer wants full vCenter access, manage it themselves, uh, they just need us to make sure lights are blinking and networks work, then we're happy to do that. Uh, but the higher value though is when we we manage it, right? We say, here's how we deploy this VM over and over and make sure it conforms to your 
uh, you know, cluster rules so we have redundancy, so that it has the proper security and patching level when we launch it, that it talks to the right networks. So those are things that we do out of the box. And again, we start with that managed approach. And if a customer wants to shed services, you know, I don't need this service, but I do need that, uh, then we peel back the onion and, and sell what's needed. Um, so yeah, I think that handholding is is big. And then our, our guys consult technology review with customers and they say, hey, this is a new thing that looks great. And we evaluate it with them. And sometimes we launch that feature and sometimes we don't, right? It depends if, you know, one customer asks, then we will, you know, consult on it, but not launch. If a dozen customers ask, then it's something we look at. We test, we productize and, and try to make that easier for the customer to use. I think it certainly can't underplay the importance of working, particularly as you start to make that move to cloud for all kinds of reasons, technical, commercial, et cetera, for, for people who've done it before and understand some of the pitfalls. So, so I think it's a kind of really interesting place that the that you guys are, are operating in and, and the services that you offer. So, um, well, look, Kelly, it's been really interesting and, and I strongly advise people to, uh, and I'll make sure it goes in the show notes to kind of check out the, the video that, that brought us together, um, not sure. in a romantic way, but in a, in a technology <laughs> way. Um, Absolutely. But, but if people do want to find out a little bit more about what you guys do or maybe want to come and uh, hunt you down online to, to ask questions or, or kind of find out more about what, what you get up to, um, what's the best way for them to do that? So easiest way, uh, email K-G-O-O-L-S-B-Y at liquidweb.com. Uh, I occasionally tweet at K-Goal, uh, old, older Twitter handle. Uh, LinkedIn, you can find me. Uh, one of the only Kelly Goolsby's and certainly the only one in technology. Um, I blog occasionally at the liquidweb.com blog, so you can find me there. And then the YouTube channel, which is usually syndicated uh, via the liquid web feed. Uh, but coming to the website, if you'd like to talk to me or anyone on our solution architect team, I uh, will be happy to chat. So it's easy to chat on the website. I don't typically chat on the website. I'm not fast enough to do that, but <laughs> anyone there can get you directed at me as well. Well, Kelly, look, that's been great. Thanks very much for that. And uh, so I'll make sure that the links to the video and, and kind of your social handles, et cetera, go in the show notes. But uh, well, for now, hey, thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate it and uh, look forward to speaking to you again in the future. As well. Thanks, Paul. I hope you enjoyed that. For show notes, pop over to techstringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous tech interviews episodes. And if you'd like to appear as a guest or have an idea for a show, well, I'll drop me a line. You can email me at podcast at techstringy.com. And to make sure you catch all future episodes, tech interviews, well, I'll subscribe. You can find us in all good homes of podcasts, including SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So, until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you.